the Pinball Network is online. Launching Final Round Pinball Podcast. It's player versus player and player versus machine. Welcome to the final round. Mix it up, Marty. You start. Oh, hello. Hi. Was that okay? We've already screwed up. (laughs) You had a month to get this right. (laughs) Welcome, everybody, to the final round pinball podcast a month later. My name is Martin Robbins. I'm the ever-frequent Jeff Teolis, shoving podcasts down your throat for now six years and uh, yeah, we've been taking our time. We've been busy. Does Do people care? Okay, so I had noticed that there really hasn't been some episodes from Pinball Profile in some time. And I know we haven't been able to record because you've been at tournaments and, and shows. You're, you're really busy at the moment. Thank you for saying that. The Pinball Profile Played in America tour, I've already done eight or nine dates. I can't remember. And there's, I think, five or six more. That's taken up a lot of my time. New software. I've been traveling for pinball events. We'll talk about that. It's not easy to podcast when you're on the road. So it's not about quantity. It's about quality. I can only have the quality. It is about the quality. We cannot give you any of that. Uh, all right. A little sneak peek. Pinball Profile. I'm recording with Josh Sharp this week. It's good to have him back on Pinball Profile. Because you've never recorded him before. No, but I mean, think of all the shots I've taken at him over the last uh, few months. And uh, he's coming on to talk about it. And one of the things we'll talk about on this podcast is the return of the flip frenzy. We'll get to it. We will. we got a lot to cover. We're back, baby. Not you and I. Like, no one wants us to be back. But more so... Really, tournaments and shows are just back. We are, I guess, back to COVID normal. Thanks, Ian. But we're just back to normal. And you now get to go to all these shows. And I I do, I wouldn't say I get like mega jealous, but I'm envious of you being able to go to all these shows. I just watched the movie Seven. So can you quit saying envy? Because I know how that ended. Ryan C's head will be in a box at the end of this. <laughs> It's in a box right now. (laughs) Giggle, giggle, double entendre. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I've been going to a lot. And also, too, because I've been trying to be a successful competitive player. You know, those chasing the whopper things do matter. Uh, Some of the places I've been to in the last little while, you know, we talked about Cleepin before that. I went to Chicago Expo since the last time we've talked. Free Play Florida happened. That was great. Uh, Pincinnati's going on right now as we speak. It's the weekend here, uh, first weekend in December. And next weekend, I'll be in Wisconsin at District 82 and just signed up for a big event there in February. So Indisc is coming up in January. It's it's go, go, go. And a big year next year with the World Championships and European Pinball Championships in Germany. So my calendar's <laughs> filling up for next year. Plus, like I said, those dates at the Pinball Profile Played in America Tour. You can be envious, jealous, whatever you want to say. It's a lot of time and uh, a lot of fatigue. So sometimes podcasts 
take the back seat. But I do have a few in the works and uh, glad to do this. In fact, Marty, like you and I have actually not talked since the last final round. I tried calling you earlier in the week. I know. Uh, we texted and then I sent you a FaceTime thing and you didn't call back, you son of a bitch. Uh, I noticed that. Not even a, hey, sorry, I'm busy. No, 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 no. You are known to butt dial me. I would say pocket dial, but, you know, we're talking the bubble here. You butt dial me. So I, I wasn't sure whether that was a legit call or not. So that's why I didn't. So I need to preface my uh, calls by, hey, cunt, I'm trying to call you. Yes. I'll know for sure. There we go. It's tough to butt dial that. <laughs> so can I just also just bring this up, just because you've been going to a lot of tournaments. Has your ranking slipped? I don't think so. Well, you're currently 64th. Sure. Is that? That's great. Is it? Yeah, I'm happy as hell. I thought you were top 50. No, it's I, I went during COVID um, when the decay happened because of the volume of tournaments I go to and it had nothing to do with really with skill. It's just, again, the volume. I had a lot of tournaments that could fill the gap when tournaments fell by the wayside. So in the middle of the pandemic, when IFP wasn't even happening, yeah, I got up to 41, but... I wasn't playing. Now that tournaments are back, hey, a little bit of reality comes into play. So 64th is great. And again, holding on to number one in Canada, which will not last, but I'm looking for that country exemption. Do you care about being top 50 or not? No. Okay. No, I care about being probably top 100, but not top 50. Top 50 would be great. I don't uh, go out of my way to do something I wouldn't have done to be top 50. It's pretty difficult, and it's going to be more difficult, and I think Josh and I will talk about that in the future, uh, because events are going to be worth, if they were worth 100% now, they could be worth 280%. So if you're not kicking ass, like Indus coming up in January, the winner of that is going to receive over 200 Whoppers easily. Do you believe that? That's nuts. Oh, damn. Damn, that's a lot. That's, yeah, so that's a lot. I go to something like Indisc, and the goal is maybe, hopefully, try to make the playoffs because every great player from the world shows up to that. I mean, Danielli's coming from Italy. Uh, the Flygars are coming from Sweden. It's going to be huge. Of course, all the North Americans. If I can make the top 40 in that, I'm thrilled, which that's it's difficult, the card. So, um, yeah, no, no, no. It's going to be tough next year. Your tournaments that you've gone to recently, I know, I think we did actually have a mini chat in that time because I think yet again you went into a tournament and did really well in classics. Am I right? It seems to be a pattern. You it might does. have caught on to something. <laughs> You've been trying to hide that. I, I think most people who play against me know that. Yeah, so I did well at, as we talked about UK Open and then Chicago Expo, but Free Play Florida was also um, good to me in the classics department. I made the Playoffs, too, for the, the main event. And I, I pulled what they call the Jim Belcito. I do know what that means. You know what that means. Jim oh, Belcito yeah. is one of the greatest players, one of the guys who runs in disc. He's known for never count Jim out because last ball, last player, he can pull it out. And I was last player playing the tournament. Six points out, top 24 made it, I'm probably 30th. And I needed, I don't know, let's say 8.3 million on Earthshaker to, to get in. And I pulled out a 10.6. I totally bell it. Last player in the tournament, and I jumped up, got in. I got the blown away the first uh, chance next day, but who cares? Made the playoffs. I was happy about that. So that was fun. Free Play Florida. Can I tell you about this? It's it's something I go to every year. It's in Orlando. Great tournament. The guys at the Pinball Lounge, 
the men and women there do a wonderful job running all the tournaments there. And I just want to thank them for not only doing that, but also the pinball profile event that we ran there the day before. Something happened, Marty, and I haven't talked to you about this because we haven't talked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You've been a tournament director. Sure. You've been a player. Yeah, apparently. This happened at the playoffs. And I'm not going to mention any names, but I was extremely disappointed. The TDs are announcing, here's how the playoffs work. And one of the players basically leans back to the rest of the crowd and says, do we all agree this is a stupid format? What? Well, that person didn't get a response that they were looking for. But it was... The response that did happen was from the TDs that basically were insulted. Sure. For the wonderful tournament that they were doing. By the way, all rules are set out before you start. So you know what you're getting into. So there were no surprises. This is the way the rules are done. If you don't like it, don't play. They said, yes, we're well aware that um, this isn't uh, what some people like. And, and you know, we will uh, discuss changes for next year. But as it stands, this is the way it goes. And So what was it? What was it that was... Like, explain it to me so then I can just... It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. It was one person's opinion, and maybe others felt that too, but you might keep that to yourself and not make a public display like that and try to embarrass the TDs. You didn't get the support from the, I don't know, crowd you wanted uh, to, to respond that, yeah, this may or may not be stupid. It's It grossed me out. I, I have no other way to say it, and uh, I hope that person has apologized to the TDs because... You know what happens when you do things like that? TDs go, fuck it. I'm not running the tournament anymore. You know what? I bust my nuts for weeks and months to put on this tournament to get shit on. So you preface this by saying that I, I used to be a TD and a player. And let me tell you from a TD's perspective, how this is how I would react to something like that. I would feel really, I would feel really disappointed because I have actually had that in when I've run tournaments and people are like, oh, how come you're doing it like that? My first thought is, oh, are people not having fun with what I'm doing? Are people not happy? Is this a real problem? Because I just want people to have a great time. So I'm assuming that the TDs are probably thinking, oh, well, that's that's kind of a bit disappointing that somebody's trying to derail this tournament that no doubt they have spent months preparing for. You know what I mean? Most tournaments have post-mortems and figure out, did this work? Did this not work? What was what was positive? What was negative? Let's make changes for next year. But you can't change on the fly. No, that's right. All you can ask from a TD, and, and this is what they did, was be consistent. Be consistent with the rules. And they were to a T. Just as an aside, was this the, the tournament where, and I quote listener, you messaged me saying... Another Classics top finish, sixth, whatever, get over it. I'm sure it won't even be brought up on the podcast, nor that I beat Escher, Ray Day, Kaylee, no biggie. Was that the one? No, it was the main tournament. <laughs> but it was the same event. Listen, listen, you brought it up. I didn't. I wasn't going to say a thing. Oh, you, 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 I brought it up. Say I thing. brought it up because you messaged me so I would bring it up. Come on. <laughs> Great job, uh, Free Play Florida. It's such a perfect location. I, again, how many times have I told you when you can play a tournament where you don't have to leave, it's right there, uh, you don't need to rent a car or anything like that, it's it's heaven. That's going on right now at Pincinnati. I've got friends there. Ray Day won the Friday night event. They're playing right now. I don't know uh, who's playing 
in the I think it's a it's not a strikes event. I can't remember what it is right now, but the main Pincinati event. But uh, Ray Day beat John Del Zoppo and my buddy Mike Dimas. Uh, that was very exciting in the Friday night event. And uh, again, another place where it's right there at the hotel. It looks spectacular. I guess 130 uh, games on free play. The tournaments are really well run by Eric Wurtenberger. He looks like he's doing a good job, and I know there's others involved. But uh, I've been watching the Straight Down the Middle stream. Really good stream, too. They have tutorials. When the game comes up, they show like a mini tutorial how to play the game. I thought that's really cool. Yeah, it's great. That's awesome. Another thing that's important, if you're streaming a tournament or even streaming at home, Pincinati does this. Put the game on the left-hand side of the screen. Yeah. Why is that Why is that important, Marty? I, I know that because I, I changed my stream to have the game on the left-hand side so you can have the chat window up on the right. That's right. So if you have the chat window up, if you're watching on a mobile phone or an iPad or something like that, and the chat will block the game. So you can't do both. Yeah. Yep. Oh, by the way, the commentators were really good. And I'm sorry, I don't know them all. Justin was there. I saw uh, Scott who listens to this program. There was a woman named Elizabeth who did a great job and and some others that were in and out of the booth. Really, really knowledgeable people and friendly and pleasant to listen to. But they did something that was interesting. On the screen, the commentators were always on the screen. And I do a lot of commentating. I would never want that on me. I would never want the camera on me because the action is on the player, which they had a player cam, and the game itself. I personally like seeing the commentators. The whole time during the game? Yep. Really? But only in a small little window. But yeah, no, just for me, I, I like seeing the commentators. How do you pick preference. your nose or scratch your nuts? No, well, that's up to the, obviously, the commentators have got to be on their best behavior. But for me as a viewer, yeah, I, I like seeing them because I like feeling a connection with the commentators. And that that it's at a point that I think was made at one of these streams where someone had suggested to the commentators that they shouldn't really be engaging with chat. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. I think chat should be acknowledged. I think it shouldn't be the primary focus, though. If you're getting away from the game, if some game action is happening... Don't do it during a ball. Because usually the chat is not... It's a little delayed, so you're... It's just not a smooth transition. Like, in between balls is a good time to maybe talk to, to chat and stuff. Or answer some questions. If you ask chat a question, hey, who knows what this does? That's a different story. There's two things that happen when you stream. You stream for a live audience, and then you've got the VOD later for people to watch it. They wouldn't be interested in engaging with chat because sometimes you can't... Well, even though on, on Twitch you can see the, the, like the history of the chat happening at the same time, but if it's on YouTube... But not YouTube. Yeah, yeah, correct. So it, it is different to be able to do both, but... I do prefer to engage with the the viewers. I know that in video games, especially if you're uh, on Twitch, the person is always on stream. So it, it felt more like a video game thing to me than a pinball thing. Because for me, sports background, I can't think of one sport where you're watching a baseball game, a football game, a basketball game, and you're seeing, you're hearing the commentators, but you're seeing them too. It just seemed weird where the action to me should have been focused on the game and the player. Sure. But you're, you're talking about like video games and video game streaming gets how many more viewers compared to pinball? Ah, uh, you might be onto something. You know what I mean? Like use that as the gold standard. You're a younger man than me. So, um, you know, <laughs> I'm learning these things. Yeah. We are currently the same age, but sure. <laughs> For a few more weeks. <laughs> Not long now. That's right. Just one thing I do want to ask. Just... Because I know we talk about tournaments and people that don't, you know, 
aren't in the tournaments, even though this is meant to be a tournament podcast, I've probably tuned out. But what I'm curious to know about is classics, right? Classics tournaments. Because we we don't see a lot of older games outside of personal collections. And so, therefore, a lot of the tournaments that we play in, they're, they're still just almost exclusively stern games. So, I'm curious to know, what were some of the highlights of the games that you played in the Classics Banks? Just talk me through that. I just want to get a bit of nostalgia for those games. One of the unique games at Free Play Florida in their Classics was Card Whiz. It is an EM, two-player game, a bank of drop targets, ace through ten. There are some joker rollovers, but it was set to three ball. In fact, all their games are set to three ball, even the EMs. It had a unique rule. When you normally play card whiz, I think on the final ball, ball five, it's double bonus. It's, it's worth a little bit, an extra 15 grand if you get it. But this set on three ball did two things. One, the pop bumper was always lit for a thousand. That's kind of interesting because maybe you don't plunge for the jokers. Maybe you try to get a few bounces off the pop bumper and then even hit a joker. So that was kind of a strat there. The other thing too was behind the middle queen on that bank on card whiz, there's a 3,000 point light that only comes on when you clear the bank. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. On three balls, it was always lit. Fuck the bank. Fuck the pop bumpers. Hit that queen and just hit over and over again. Just aim at that uh, 3,000 light. So that was a different strat. They did have a fathom there, I will bring up, and it was the go-to game. It wasn't, unfortunately, the wonderful Haggis version, but uh, a beautiful original fathom and, uh, you know, made me want to get the Haggis one even more. That was fun, too, and, and seeing the neat strats there. I mean, you've spent so much time on fathom, so you can imagine if you were playing the game by yourself, you would go multi-ball strat. If you were playing in a match play where you're playing against others, Spin up. maybe you yeah, maybe you don't want to leave a couple of locks in there for your opponent. Yeah, yeah. In tournament, it is start, start a two-ball, multi-ball, make sure you've got your spinner lit and then rip the spinner. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, they had Evil Knievel, which was very, very evil. Uh, tough to play. They had Matahari, which, it, you know, you prayed every time you hit that center saucer up top that's kind of where your multi- bonus multiplier is if you hit that it's supposed to kind of kick it out and hit the tip of the left flipper well sometimes it went straight down the middle so it depended on the game you were playing they had nitro ground shaker uh, classics that's a great one too but i mean I, I think i watched it was either ray day or usher and they shot the right spinner over and over again and hit the center saucer several times, but never once, like I think 10 times, and never once was it set on double bonus. That's the one thing about playing in classics that have saucers or upper in lanes. You know, if you plunge correctly or if your timing is right, uh, you may or may not do well. So that that is the big luck factor in that game. I mean, yes, you go up over there until you finally get it, but... I think of a game like Stingray. You ever played that, the Stern Stingray game? Stern Stingray, yes, I have. Terrible game. It could be fun. The unbalanced part is is the weak part because there's a 55,000-point saucer that just, you know, randomly comes up. Depends on, you know, where the switches have been hit. And that's just such a uphill battle to climb. So I'm not a big fan of those type of games. Did I answer your question? Yeah, you did. And I, I did get my nostalgia fix. And you talked about games that, that I love. And... Not that this was it was meant to be a loaded question, but again, you talk about these games from a tournament player's perspective where you're saying, you know, Stingray you don't like because there's there's obviously some unbalancing when it comes to scoring. But outside of that, I mean, it's still a fun game. It's weird. 
it's weird. It's like being a magician. So when you see magic, it blows you away and it's the, how did you do that? It's, it's the wow factor. You know, maybe you catch it the second time you watch it, or if it's on a video, you watch it a few times. Oh, maybe they did this, but you're not really sure. But the other side of it is when you're the magician, you already know how it's done. It's trying to trick people and to, it, it's about the art of the sleight of hand and did you fool people? Did you wow people? Were you in the right position? All that kind of stuff. Once you know the magic, you forget the wow factor that the audience had. So I relate that to being a competitive pinball player is when you first play pinball, it's wow, it's fun. It's it, These are neat shots. This, I can go here, I can go here, this does this. You don't care about the score. But once you're a competitor, you don't care about everything else. It's only about the score. Ulterior motive time, because obviously, as you know, I am ah, a rules designer, right? Fucking bragger. Holy shit. Yeah, sure, whatever. I didn't bring up my competitions wins. You did. Uh, but here he is dropping. Anyway, Mr. Programmer, what? Sorry, go on. You've actually now been voiceover in more pinball machines than me, so you could have bragged that one. So, whatever. We've done the same number of uh, comedy career things. Hey, oh, hey, we, where was that? It's taken too long. It's... <laughs> I can't believe I'm off my game. I can't believe it. <laughs> it's got to be within 20 minutes. Come on. Get back on it. Okay, go. Oh, Programming. So go good. ahead. It's so good. Okay. Here's this weird analogy I'm going to give you, right? So, do you know the band Bloodhound Gang? Hooray for boobies? <laughs> that game? <laughs> Isn't that that's the name of their album? Hooray for boobies. It is. It is. What did they sing? It was They had one hit. What was it? Oh, they actually had a couple of hits, but it was um, The Bad Touch. No, it was another song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you and me, baby, aren't nothing but mammals, That's so do it, it sure, like we do yeah. on the Discovery Channel. Yeah, yeah, the bad touch. They also had another one called Untis Untis. Okay. Oh, and there's another one as well. The, the, anyway, the point I'm trying to make is I listened to one of these songs that they did, and they had a section in it which was just so good, but it was a really short part of the song. So I just kept playing this song over and over and over because I just wanted to hear that bit. And then one day I went, you know what, I'm going to edit this and I'm now going to double that bit. I listened to it once and went, huh, I'm done. Because I got what I wanted. Okay. So the what I'm trying to say, and, and I do this with, with rules design, but also looking at these games, is the challenge is the that thing that's just slightly out of reach. Because that is what draws you back to want to do that. If you get everything, if you've got a game that just does everything, you go, I love it. You don't have as much passion to it because there's, there's not a challenge anymore. Hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this I is do. The, this is the philosophy of game design. Because remember, the point of pinball is to make money. And by making money, it's people pushing the start button. You know, that's the purpose of pinball is to want to make people hit the start button. So the the secret sauce in all of this is how do you put something that's just slightly out of reach? And it's not just rules, it's also design. How do you make that shot that's just too a little bit too hard, but you want to master it? Makes sense, yeah. So that's when I when I look at a game like like Stingray and all those EMs that you talk about where you you sort of and I'm not saying that you're you're being critical of them because they are what they are. But I, when I hear those things, I go, yeah, I like that because that causes a bit of bit of angst towards it, but it's something that you want to conquer. You want to have resolution with it. Hmm. Unfinished business. It's tough for me. I see your point. I saw that player hit Nitro Ground Shaker up top 10 times in the saucer, never got the double bonus, whereas somebody 
like myself might have done it once and I got it. That's unfair. Though it's one thing that's always bothered me about newer games. Love them. Don't get me wrong. When I played pinball, you know who the winner was? The person who played the longest. The score usually matched who played the longest, especially if it was double the time of their opponent. That's not the case anymore. When you look at number of shots taken versus drains, the person who plays longer is better at that, but it doesn't mean anything. And I agree with you. And my, I guess my design philosophy is the further you get through the code should equal your score. Sure. Not how many times you've repeated a ramp. You have uh, an interesting formula to work with uh, for coming up with these. And I say that to all programmers because they're all doing the same thing. It's, it's that secret sauce. What is the right formula? And it's not easy to come up with, but you want to make money. You want the game to be fun. And, you know, I say all that as I have a home collection myself. This is the dilemma for me, my home collection. You know, I have a rush game. I've never done really, really well on it. But part of the reason is I've got it set so hard. No extra balls, tight tilts. You breathe on it. You tilt it. I want to explore it. But then if I make it a little easier or even normal, I go to a competition and I play a game that's been tightened up a little bit and I'll, I'll be terrible. See, tournaments are ruining pinball yet again. No, no. No, I know. I'm They're addictive as shit is what the problem is. I just, here's another little tidbit. I just got, I'm looking at it right now, Godzilla Premium. It's in my house. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's, I still haven't put it on legs yet. It's actually folded up. I sold my um, Avengers Premium, which I hated to get rid of because that was a fun game too. But, uh, you know, the, the, only so much space and it replaces it, pays for it, all that kind of stuff. I'm looking forward to playing that, but I know, do I set it? I, I want to see how deep that is. I want to get to all the stuff. But if I make it easy, I think once my competitive days are done, you know, I, I'll want to explore these games a little more. Like Simpsons Pinball Party is the one game where I don't even give a shit about score. I just want to explore everything on that thing because I love it. Yep. But it's not the right way to play competitively. No, I know. And I would like people to write into us just for the fact that we like to, to talk to people. But talk to us about a game that you love and you f- are just constantly playing. Like you've got that unmet need, that something that it just for some reason just draws you back in and tell us the game and tell us what it is that draws you back in. I'm, I'm just... I'm, <laughs> doing market research <laughs> sure sure i'm not i'm not because i actually know with a focus group of three listeners <laughs> yes. well done marty yeah, well correct. done it's no I'm, I'm not genuinely doing that that's just a, a nice little bonus but i'm genuinely curious because the the philosophy of pinball design is vast like and, and only a few people have really been able to to master that, I just don't know whether I wanted to do a segue into another point that we wanted to talk about, but it's about some some manufacturers and some designers know how to sprinkle the magic on the game and others are yet to be able to tap into that. You were joking when you said competitive pinball is ruining pinball, but I will agree with you on one point. Two of the greatest selling games of all time, biggest money makers. I won't even tell you what they are. I'll let you guess. I mean, biggest of all time. Adam's Family. Yes, that's one. What's the other one like that? Kind of in the same era? Twilight Zone. Boom. I didn't even tell you and you knew what they were. Sure. 
huge games, competitive pinball have wrecked those games. (laughs) So I'm agreeing with you. Those games are super deep. When they came out, holy shit, look at all these rooms. Look at all these windows. There's all kinds of stuff going on here. Competitive pinball players went, fuck it all. I'm just going to hit the ramp, hit the chair, hit the ramp, hit the chair. And and that's kind of sucks, but it's how you get points. We never did that when we were playing it in arcades. No, that's right. But but here's here's the difference, right? When you're playing pinball at home, it's you and the game. When you're playing in a tournament, it's you and the game and the game. The game that you're playing and the game of the tournament. And that in itself makes up, I think, for what you're not doing in the game, if that makes sense. You've got that whole layer of competitiveness of how well your your score is compared to other people and how you're progressing through a tournament. That in itself is a game. Well, when you see a lot of tournaments and people say, uh, you get to pick the order and people say, I'm going to go last and, and I do it all the time too, is because you're like, I want to see what the other players have because I want to know what I need to to beat them. Oh, okay. I don't need to blow this up. I just need maybe a skill shot and, and start a multi-ball. That will make me advance things like that it's not how you play pinball probably at home you know you're playing bram stoker's dracula and you're in a competition okay i really want to stack these multi-balls i want to i want those jackpots to be 30 million if i can you know you play things differently it's not right it's not wrong it's it's the added value of competition it doesn't ruin games i don't think it just uh it it does make some games good for competition and others not no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if you've got a, let's just say you can visualize a pie chart. When it's you and the machine, it's 100% game. When it's you and a tournament, it's 50-50. It's enjoying 50% the game and 50% the tournament itself and the competition and the competitive nature of it. So I still think you are getting a 100% great experience, but you're you're just sharing the focus when it comes to tournament. Okay. Fuck, have we lost all listeners or what? No, what I'm saying is, like, how many times have you been in a tournament and someone went, oh, fuck yeah, I got to the wizard mode? (laughs) Never, 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 never. never. Who goes for a wizard mode? Well, there's different tournaments too, right? So if you're in a pump and dump tournament where you're trying to blow up the score, yeah, you are probably going wizard mode. If you're in a card format like Indisc where I have to put five great games on one card, I can't have one stinker. Do I want to try to blow it up or just have a good base so that I, I, you know, this this card's somewhat decent? Because if I don't get that wizard mode and I'm putting all my marbles into that, I could get a shitty score and that ruins my card. So pump and dumps where you can go back and back. Oh, yeah. People go wizard mode for sure on that. Well, okay. So what's interesting, speaking of pump and dump. So it might have been the last, I think it was the last. In- you know, you and I are the only ones listening to this right now. Maybe Colin McAlpine, maybe Ray Day. No, but what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get people that still don't want to get into tournaments, the psychology behind it. So they can say, well, mm, here's why it is and it's not, we're, we're not so different. But now here was what I was going to say was, I remember at Indisc and it was pump and dump and Game of Thrones was there. And everybody was playing Tyrell. And I started and I played Greyjoy. And I remember a couple of people behind me sort of going, oh, I was a fucking idiot. I qualified second. Greyjoy is how you blow that game up in the old code. That's right. It's risky. Yeah, it is. But it's pump and dump. So it doesn't matter. Yep. That's the way to do it. That's That was the way to do it for sure. I was one of maybe three people that didn't do Tyrell. Yeah. Yep. I just wanted to have fun. You're talking about the Attaball. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Greyjoy where you 
No, no, no. Tyrell was the attaball, right? No, Tyrell is the multiplier. The the lanes that multiply. The lanes. Okay, so Martel's the uh, Martel's the attaball. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody does that anymore. People usually choose those two, right? It's kind of, again, to have a good base score in match play, but you don't do that in a pump and dump. We are, uh, I'm even getting competitive pinballed out here. No, but the the reason why I brought that up is that I. You want people to send pie charts to our email (laughs) at final mount. Send us a pie chart. I got it. I got it. No, it's more so, you know, when I had that that meltdown on stream when I was streaming Guardians of the Galaxy, because everyone was saying, no, you need to play these modes. I'm like, no. I want to play this mode because I like the color. And that's what I did with with Game of Thrones. I was like, you know what? I want to play the game the way I like because I'm comfortable with it and I'm not going to be stressing out. And that's what got me through as opposed to trying to play a game another person's way. There you go. Done. We're going to move on. We are going to talk about uh, some of the things that have happened recently. A lot of James Bond launch parties. Are they there in Australia? I haven't seen them yet. No. No, they're coming here. We've got a launch party coming up on December 30th, and I've seen a few pop up and stateside, they're, they're everywhere. So interesting to see what code's been developed. Uh, it was very raw when I first played it. And um, again, you being a programmer, I understand the need to get these games out, especially maybe before Christmas, especially to keep the line moving. When I played it at Expo, looked fine. I liked the theme. It wasn't enough for me to want to play it again yet. I'm dying to play it, but I wanted to see more code. That's a that's a big risk. You remember when Batman 66 came out and it really was like no code? Yep. I wouldn't say it's that. I can't think of anything closer to. Is it, is it missing the magic? I think so. Yeah. Uh, so far. I mean, again, I have not played it since Expo. So things could have changed big time. Yeah. Look, the impressions I get from comments that I see from people are it shoots great. Yes. But nothing really about the code. It just, it shoots great. Don't you and I always say, if you have a game that can shoot really well, don't worry, the code will come. Remember Guardians? We're like, that thing fucking shot well. Oh, the code. There was another game where like, really, it's just grew it all day. Code came and came and then you're like, okay. And then it was orb all day and then, yeah. <laughs> but then they fixed it. Then they fixed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think uh, the bond will be neat. But uh, today, today's Saturday, December the 3rd, a little teaser for Scooby-Doo coming out from Spooky Pinball. Good on them. What do you feel about that as a theme? Great. Yeah, same. I think it's a fucking, it's an awesome, awesome theme. We did see a teaser trailer from Spooky. Can I just say something? Does it have to do with the vocals? Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 Oh my God. Okay. I, let me let me preface this by saying when I was in England and I kind of knew Scooby Doo was coming. Okay. Right, Mark Silk. We're going to talk about right. I w- I was with Mark and I said. Mark, you don't have to tell me, but I hope you're doing Scooby-Doo. And all he said is, I'm pretty sure they'll get Americans to do that, which basically told me he's not doing Scooby-Doo. But he didn't say yes or no. But the fact is, they got, and I don't know how well you know this, but anybody who's ever done voice acting or knows cartoons, they got Frank Welker to do that. He is the voice of Scooby-Doo and Fred Jones. I love it. I would have liked to see Mark as Shaggy. They got Matthew Lillard, who was in the movies, and you remember him from this. He was the Scream Killer. Sorry to spoil it for you, but eh, it didn't work. It sounds like, you know, uh, the other characters are fine, but I would have liked to see Marcus Shaggy, and I'm thrilled that Welker's doing Scooby and Fred. What do you think? The opposite. Oh, boo. I, I think because Mark Silk's Scooby Doo is so ingrained in me. 
I was hearing this Scooby Doo going, hang on, that it just doesn't sound it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound authentic. It doesn't it do- Well, Frank's in his late seventies, right? Sure, nineteen forty six, I believe he might have been born. March twelve, just off the top of my head. Sure. So God, you got a good memory. I do. He was born in Denver. Did you know that? Holy shit. Yeah, I know a lot about Frank Welker. So. You, next, you're going to tell me he was the voice of Astro on Jetsons. <laughs> I haven't got that voice acting career. <laughs> Let me just quickly. Oh, he's, do, he's done lots of stuff, dude. There's too much. He, he He's the closest to Mel Blanc. And if you know who Mel Blanc is, he Mel, Mel did all the, all the Warner Brothers, all the Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Elmer Fudd, all those things. Well, Mel... As he got older, his voice sounded a little different too. So is it the difference that's bothering you a little bit? Because his Fred's perfect. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. His Fred is perfect. Scooby, I just... um, No, it it was just... It took me out of the fantasy. Mm. It was the Shaggy that did it for me. I would rather hear Mark do it. Casey Kasem was the voice of Shaggy and he's no longer with us. So that aside... Great theme. Hope they do well with this. Hope it shoots well. I don't know any more about design. I'm sure we'll find out as uh, between, between the time this show comes out, uh, we'll probably know a little bit more, but uh, there's going to be like, a lot of people excited about that title. I genuinely hope it does well because I think people are still a little bit shaken from Halloween. Just, uh, you know what? When I saw, saw like a lot of social media people posting that uh, the teaser trailer and all that kind of stuff there was a bit of negativity and that kind of disappointed me negativity towards spooky what I hope is that this is a good redemption story for them that was the general comment you would read was hope it bounces back yeah and uh, yeah, hey why not you know maybe again you you live and learn, right? You try things, and uh, some work, some don't. You're not going to see a Halloween layout for Scooby-Doo. I'm pretty sure of that. So we'll see what they get back to. Yeah. Spooky's made some pretty awesome games. I've liked... Well, I, I say I've liked Spooky games. I've liked all their games. I've not played Halloween or whatever its re-theme was. What was that called again? Something Man? Ultraman. Ultraman. Yeah. Um, no, I've not, I've not played it, but all the others I've played, I've liked. Even, even Rick and Morty, which... I know sort of gets, that's a bit of a polarizing game, but I enjoy it. I enjoy it too. Can I just side note? Yeah. Rick and Morty. Yes. So I felt the previous season to the one that we've got right now was just not very good. They said it was not very good. They've even apologized for it. Have they? Yeah. This last season, it's fucking great. Really good. There's one episode where they said it, it was the jumping of the shark episode. And it might be the Get Swifty episode, season three. No, Pickle Rick. Oh, so it was Pickle Rick. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I'm, uh, no, Get Swifty was brilliant. I mean, show, yeah. show us what you got. I love that. Um, <laughs> it was one of my favorite oh, episodes. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, but you're, you're right. It was the Pickle Rick one that was the uh, the game changer. I thought it was funny, but it, it, it did uh, lose some fans. Yeah, they've come out and said, we're sorry for, <laughs> we're sorry for season five. It's like Stallone saying, sorry, sorry for Rocky Five. Didn't exist. Don't worry about it. We'll fix it. Yeah, it was, it was fine. Uh, look, it's about magic. Sometimes you create magic. When you try to manufacture magic, that's when it sort of doesn't work. Sometimes you've just got to just be yourselves, 
be creative and hope that you create magic. And that, that was kind of what was missing from the last season. Whereas this one right now, I think the magic is back. So there you go. Hmm. Side note, done. Speaking of magic. Yes. What a great segue this is going to be. You don't even know where I'm going. I don't know. Uh, Elton John, Flip Frenzy, said where? No, okay. No, we'll get to that. <laughs> you like games, don't you? Yeah, sure. All right, tournament players or people traveling. If you're traveling with buddies, this is a game you can play. You like the game Clue, kind of the whodunit where you have to figure things out? Do you like games mm-hmm. like that? Just say yes for the Sh- Yeah, absolutely Fact, I do. Of course you They're do. They're the Who best doesn't? game. Yeah. The best games ever. Here's a little mystery you can do. Okay. I'll give you an example. I'm about to go to District 82. We've rented an Airbnb home, so it's got four different bedrooms, which is good. Have you ever played, and you can do this in a hotel room, if you've got more, you need more than three people, all right? Just like Clue, you need more than three people. Is this Soggy Sayo? No, you play Mystery Dump. It sounds a lot like Soggy Sayo. Mystery Dump, where you leave a dump in the toilet and you say, who the fuck left that? And you try to figure out who did it. Okay, okay. You know, like, so make sure you're not eating like corn on the cob the night before, but I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Mystery dump is a great game to play <laughs> on the road. <laughs> just something to just to throw out there yep. and try to solve it. And I guess it's like playing werewolf uh, for the kids that play <laughs> games like that, or you're trying to, it's a whodunit. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Just something, just something, you know, it's not all about pinball. <laughs> it's, it's, that's so good. What yep. is soggy, soggy, what? Soggy sayo. What's he saying? I'll leave that for you to uh, to Google. Oh gosh, I, I, I hate googling. I don't want to Google anything on my computer for anything you say. Just Google it. <laughs> That's never worked out. <laughs> and then the police are knocking on your door, and you wonder why. <laughs> so there you go. Sayo, Sayo is a biscuit. There you go. Oh fuck! It's I guess it's circle jerk. <laughs> no, you're come on, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you pretending that you don't know is a bit of a giveaway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, let's see. You've got Elton John next on your list. I do have Elton John next on my list because that is a rumored game, and I do not know. I'm telling you right now, do not know if that's true. I've heard people say that. Possibly a Steve Ritchie game for Jersey Jack. I have zero knowledge of anything happening with that. It, I'm just repeating what I've heard. I just watched on Disney the uh, final Elton John concert at Dodger Stadium. Have you seen that? Do you like Elton John? I love Elton. Oh, Marty, don't do it to me. Come on. Rocket Man kicked the shit out of Bohemian Rhapsody as far as movies are concerned. I've not, I've not seen it because... Uh, because... What did he do? How did he hurt you? <laughs> where did he touch you? I, I like... Elton John's music, I don't like Elton John the person. From all reports, he's an absolute cunt. <laughs> I think he admitted he was. And he probably did, yeah. No, no, no. He like when if you watch the movie Rocket Man, whereas Bohemian Rhapsody kind of showed the better sides of Freddie Mercury and not the horrible, horrible things that he did when he was high on Coke. They're out there. Google. You, there's something you can fucking Google. They glossed it over very, very quickly if if they did it all. In fact, Sasha Baron Cohen was originally supposed to play Freddie Mercury. Would have been all over that. And then he saw the script and he's like, what about these uh, cocaine parties with um, yeah, like fucking little people having trays on their heads of coke? Like just horrible things, right? I'm being serious. Yeah, no, I know. Okay, okay. Other debauchery things. Anyway, 
Listen, greatest performer, no question. I always separate the art from the artist. Do I want to hear Queen music? You fucking right I do. Do I want to see him live? Absolutely. Art and the artist, totally different. Whereas Rocket Man, when they made Elton John the movie, Elton, who was an executive producer, said, no, 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 no. I was an asshole. I did this. I did this. And they show it all in there. And he had to sober up. So, plus he's got a great autobiography. You should read the, well, if you don't like him, you're not going to read it. But the book Me, the book Me talks about him being an absolute dickhead and changing his life. Okay. No, I'm, I'm, I, I want to see that movie. I do. I, I have an interest. I just haven't yet. What I'm going to say, though, is this. This is just a gift I'm giving you and the listener. So there's an Australian group called Panau. P-N-A-U. They're uh, sort of a, a dance sort of um, electronic sort of group. They did an album called Good Morning to the Night. And it's an album of Panau and Elton John. What they did, they took all these samples of all these old famous tracks and created completely new songs out of it. And it is fucking genius. Listen Not to surprised. It. Listen I w- to it. You know what? I will. Because the latest stuff he's done, he did a song with Britney Spears. He did that huge hit, um, Cold Cart or whatever it's called, with Dua Lipa. Yes. Fuck, it's great. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. No. So, I think I think what we're getting is the essence is there. You take a bit of Elton out and add something else that's a better ingredient and you've got something great. Here's, here's my thought, though. Elton John, Pinball Machine. like Awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh my gosh. He's so over the top. There's so many things you could do. I just, I just wonder what the approach is going to be. Are you going to do, dare I say it, yet another concert machine where it's all about the live concert? Or are you going to build modes around the songs and the stories that the songs are trying? That's what I would prefer. Just say you want to know what they're doing with the brown dirt cowboy. That's all you care about, Marty. That's all that matters. I admit it. Know what they did. I don't. That's not a mystery to me. But you know what I mean. Like to me, I just want to see. I want to see "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road" is kind of main theme. And if it if it is JJP, they have a little bit of history with that Wizard of Oz thing. The weird thing is. A lot of his songs are a little more on the mellow side. You know, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting is an upbeat song. That's great. Tiny Dancer is a certain wonderful sing-along song. Not exactly a a rocker by any means. It'll be weird to see what songs they use, if that is the game. I think it's a great idea. He's definitely got a lot of songs that would make a great pinball soundtrack. Again, I just hope... They don't go, and I know why they do the concert things because it's it's all about licensing. When you've got concert songs, you're only paying the license holders for that concert. When you're doing songs off multiple albums, you've got to pay licenses for the studios of each album, the engineers of each album. It all just gets more expensive. That's why they do the concert one. So um, I just hope they don't. When I think of three rock pins with LCD screens, I think of Guns N' Roses, I think of Rush, and I think of, I don't even think of Led Zeppelin. I think of... Uh, ACDC. No, I don't know. Well, it's, con- it's concert. It's concert. I know. I know Queen. Queen. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. So, so Rush and Guns N' Roses both show incredible live footage and lots of it. But it's the studio version and they sync it up brilliantly. Whereas Queen rightfully picked concert music and concert footage because Queen was the ultimate band live. The, 
I mean, no band could captivate a hundred thousand people at Wembley like like Freddie could do. I mean, no, I know you know I saw Queen with Freddie Mercury, so oh, it was just one of the best concerts I've ever. It was my first concert I ever went to, by the way. Mm. But I would prefer to see the film clips of Queen songs because their film clips are also epic. They have. I did play Queen at expo and they did have i think when you drained they showed um the what's the funny video where they're all in drag i want to break free they showed that and it was fucking hilarious it was awesome so yeah but also you know radio gaga is also a great album crazy thing good love is great film clip sure obviously bohemian rhapsody is an epic film clip so yeah you could have gone either way i would prefer and this is just me I would prefer people to go down the, have an individual song, listen to the lyrics, and tell a story on the play field linked to that song. Okay. As opposed to getting band members on stage. (laughs) Inside Marty. Yeah, for sure. There's my my whinge for the day. Um, Anyway, I hope, uh, who's who's doing the Elton John game, did you say? Don't know the rumor that's out there is Steve Ritchie. Steve Ritchie, Jersey Jack. Yeah. I I feel that Steve Ritchie would be a fan of Elton John and therefore would put a lot into it, but of his heart and soul. Steve Ritchie's a music fan and, and yeah, uh, big time seventies rock for sure. Yeah, so that'll be good. Okay, did you see what Match Play did, Andreas? You sir are a lifesaver. What happened? I don't know if you've ever listened to this program, Marty. I know you uh, are drunk half the time, but uh, if you go back and listen to recent episodes, especially in the last six months. You would have heard maybe one of these commentators talk about the IFPA not fixing flip frenzies and instead deciding to just nerf them. Sure. When the problem, uh, by the way, I agree, 90% of flip frenzies are absolute garbage, but there was a solution to fix these things that are obviously very popular and concerning to the IFPA because they were happening too much and we had to do something about it. Well, somebody solved it. And that is Andreas from Matchplay. You, sir, are a legend because even Josh himself admitted that the reason Flip Frenzies were being nerfed is because they were too effective. You were getting so many games in a short period of time. The thing that needed to happen is get everyone to play the same amount of games. How do you do that in a Flip Frenzy? So Flip Frenzies are two-player games, and then there are a bunch of people in the queue. Hopefully not too, too many. So what the old Flip Frenzies would do are... You play a game, you play a game, then you go in the queue and you wait for your turn to show up. Well, that would not even out the playing field because some person might play in three hours 15 games, another person might play 25 games. So now, same thing, but the queue is now going to pick not the next person up, it's going to pick the person with the fewest amount of games played so that it all evens out. And then at the end of the three hours, everyone's played, give or take, the same games by one. Therefore, no nerfing in the IFPA. Flip frenzies are saved. I would still have a playoff, by the way. Sure. That's a biggie. That's huge. People are thrilled. Here's what happens in match play when you play in a group of four and you're, and you're doing a number of rounds. It's fair. No question about it. But the problem is the wait time. Because one group is always playing longer than everyone else, especially if you have a Swiss format where the top players play the top players, the weaker players play the weaker players as the tournament goes on. You play people with the same amount of points as you have. So guess what? The more the tournament goes on, the larger that gap is that you're waiting because now you've got the top four players playing 
Godzilla and blowing it up and, and everyone else is twiddling their thumbs waiting for their game to play. Someone needs to come up with a way to do four-player Flip Frenzy. Ooh, fuck. That would be cool. It's, it's possible. For sure it's possible. Because there you go. Because you've now got four people per game and less people in the queue because they're on a game. Again, when you have too many people in the queue, that is a problem. You know, the perfect number to me, and I've run a lot of these things, if you have 10 machines, have no more than 20 players. Two people per machine. That's it. That's the formula. Because sometimes machines will break down and then that queue line will get longer. You don't want people waiting in queue. You want people go, 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 go. Anyway, I'm just really thrilled that that's uh, been changed and uh, we're going to see a lot of that in 2023. That doesn't stop the nerfing of Flip Frenzy though, does it? It nerfs Flip Frenzies. It doesn't nerf this format of Flip Frenzies at all. And in fact, if you're on a playoff, you could even have the thing worth 200%. You heard it. That's right. Because it's the number of games you play. If, if that Flip Frenzy element, everyone's playing the same amount of games, give or take one. Josh has said he'll round it up. That's fine. It's good. It's no different than match play. Think about it because... If I'm if I'm the shittiest player and I'm I'm getting done my games really quickly, I go to the queue. Uh, but I've played three more games than everyone else in the queue. I gotta wait till people come in. That uh, I, I gotta wait till they play their games. So there's a bit more waiting in flip frenzies, but it still evens it out. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay, good. So there's that. So I also just want to go back to where you said ninety percent of flip frenzies are garbage. Yeah. That's that's bullshit because. 90 that 90 percent you're talking about are still fun for 99 percent of people oh, oh, in those oh for sure for sure i guess i was saying garbage as far as fairness and you know compared to other ifba formats garbage is is relative to that not as far as fun fun yeah absolutely in fact it's a great way to introduce pinball to people that are first competing for the first time flip frenzies are spectacular cool yeah good just wanted to clarify no that. i'm glad you Thank did you. thanks all right, what's next, Mr. Correction? I mean... Uh, <laughs> so, let's talk about Zidware, because everyone wants to talk about Zidware and John Papajuk. I, I, I haven't read much about it other than Case Closed. Tell me what's going on. So, uh, I would... There are two articles. Go to Nap Arcade. I mean, look, always go to Nap Arcade anyway, because he's always got great articles. There's, there's an article on that that goes more so into the actual court case and I think there's documents and all that kind of stuff. But also go to Pinboard News. They've got a really good editorial that talks about the story itself and how people were trying to get their money back and why they didn't take the handouts from Deep Root, etc. Bottom line is it's now the rulings happened. I don't think they got what they wanted, but there are assets that they found in like a lockup garage somewhere with white woods and back glasses and documents, which they're hoping they'll sell off and people will get 50% of their money back. Those are the Zidware ones, not the deep root ones. Zidware, yeah. Okay. Hmm. So you've got like the Houdini design that, um, that he did for American Pinball that they didn't go with. So all that stuff as well. That's all I really wanted to say. Not that we're going to talk too much about it, but I would say go to Pinball News or go to Nap Arcade or go to both. It's actually an interesting read, even though it's obviously it's a, a terrible story, but I just found it fascinating. I feel for the people that lost their money, and I know some of them personally. They knew the risk. Uh, you do with any kind of startup company, but still, it's a lot of it's a lot of coin. I can imagine it still hurts years later. What I'm kind of excited to see, hopefully, and this is more to the deep root side, 
And I was one of the people that lost money in that as well. And I'm fine with that. I knew the risk, all that other shit. We've talked about it before. The people that did buy the assets, will these games ever come up? I'm hoping so. I really did find Raza a lot of fun to play. And I know Steve Bowden put a lot of work into the rules. Shoot me if you have to. Please don't. Um, I fucking like John Papadou games. I find them fun as hell to play. Same. I do. I do too. I do too. It's hard to, to separate the man from the machine. The art from the artist. We talk about it. Yeah. I Except for Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Star Wars <laughs> that, was that's, bad. That was terrible. All these other games are iconic. They're, they're fantastic games. The one thing that he did, which was genius, he made a soccer slash football game really enjoyable. It's it's great. Uh, I had it and I had to sell it to, to buy one of my other games. And uh, I think I've had 21 games in and out. I have nine now. And I think of the 12 that are gone. And if I could have three of them back, for sure World Cup soccer was one of them. It was, Josh Sharp has once told me it'll never leave his home because, and I don't know if that's true or not, but he said, kids love it and it's the easiest game to explain to somebody. See that goalie? Hit the goalie. Good things happen. Yeah. By the way, speaking of which, you know, when Dr. John gave us the Canada versus Aussie quiz that Craig Bobby and Dr. John himself wrote, and I kicked the shit out of you, I will also concede victory as Canada did not win in the World Cup, whereas the Australians did advance you know, they've since been eliminated, but they did do better than Canada. So we're even once again, my friend. Oh, did they? Because I think they're up against Argentina. Argentina won. Did they? Yeah, it happened earlier today. Fuck, I'm glad it was a big day there. You've really been drinking. Yeah, they, they Argentina won today. Yeah, okay. I knew what they, what they did here. They opened up a huge stadium here for, um, for, for free and put it on the big screen so everyone could watch it. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, go down. It's that time of the show where everyone wants to get inside Marty's head and figure out what would Marty do. <laughs> no, is this a new segment? No, no, we've done it before. Ask Marty. I, I, I've got a dilemma and, and I want to know what you would do. Okay, but I'm not having to kill anyone. Is that, that, that's gone, isn't it? That's dead. It's not dead. It's on hiatus. Okay. There may be a time to bring that back. But right now, no, we're not going to kill anybody. Although I can't. I can't promise that some of the repercussions of what you're about to choose. Oh, yeah. I might want to kill someone anyway. Yeah, we don't know. So it is time for Ask Marty. Okay. Ask away. You have to do one of these two things. What would you choose, Marty? Okay? Yeah. Go. And I love that you're drunk, too, because I'm going to get a good answer. What would you rather do? Sit in the coldest room possible for 30 minutes, like absolute below zero freezing Mm-hmm. And then immediately go strut around a nude beach. <laughs> yeah. Or, okay. or you're going into work at Haggis, all right? And that day you decided to wear track pants and you have the biggest raging boner that you can't get rid of. <laughs> what are you going to do, Marty? Uh, you know what? You feel like you've created a dilemma. But you've done both. <laughs> you actually just said huge boner. Why would I not want to show that off? <laughs> you know, like, like I'm literally going to be walking around a nude beach with a shriveled cock, or I'm going to be walking around with a giant cucumber in my pants. Oh man, easy. Give us the cucumber every day. I apologize to everyone at Haggis Pinball. There may be, there may be some deaths. <laughs> it's but, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. This isn't a real thing, but I'm doing it tomorrow. 
Just so you know, okay? Do you want photos? Like Anchorman? It's the pleats. It's uh, it's an optical illusion. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen Anchorman. Fuck, Should I? you hate Will Ferrell, don't you? I hate Will Ferrell. You know. Is the problem. Except, for, except for Superstar. Loved him in that movie, but everything else, no. Oh, Anchorman's classic. Anchorman's, Anchorman's near and dear to my heart. But you know what? It's funny we should talk about Will Ferrell and, and has his career kind of tanked over the last few years. I will say. <laughs> well, tanked from what? I Listen, well, he, he put out Talladega Nights. He put out uh, Semi-Pro. He put out some big movies. Old school. He was at the top of the comedy game. But Oh, oh wait, 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 wait. I'm waiting. Night at the Roxbury. It's a shit movie. Oh, fuck off. It's- it is. One of the best movies ever. It's no. fucking hilarious. It's juvenile, but it's that's you fine. suck. Lowbrow, dude. Yeah. Hello. Anyway, that's fine that you like it. The point is, he's had some funny moments. We both can agree. All right. Superstar. Fuck. I didn't even. I, I, I can name ten Will Ferrell movies. That one's not coming up. Anyway, here. Have you seen Superstar with Molly Shannon? Oh, I love. Yeah, that. I saw the Saturday Night Live skits. I'm like, what more can you do? I don't need to see a movie about it. Oh, it's very good. Okay. Okay. Very good. Anyway. Very, very, very good. Anyway, sure. Saturday Night Live is not a thing that we see here, so I, I didn't even see the character before the movie. Got oh, okay. Well, okay. Makes sense then why you would like it because it is was a funny skit, but it, it was done because they had done it every week. Sure. I want you to name, as you always like to talk about comedy, I want you, you cannot fucking Google. I know how you like to fucking type away. <laughs> uh, if I have to, uh, I'll FaceTime you right now. Silent typing. I will so. FaceTime you right now. No, I'm not. I wouldn't. Come on, just tell me. I'm, okay. I'm not going to type. In the last ten years, ten calendar years, name an all-time classic, gut-wrenching. Holy fuck! There isn't anything funnier. Movie that has come out. Okay. Okay. Do you know what's really fucking funny about this? Go on. About three minutes ago, I was thinking, oh, how can I bring this movie into the conversation? And I was just going to go, by the way, here's a movie. I have, oh my God, you could not have handed this to me better than what you've done. I saw three nights ago and four nights ago what I think is possibly the best movie Ever. Top top five instantly. And it's fucking hilarious. Night at the Roxbury too. <laughs> Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yep. That is a good oh one. my God. Hilar- hilarious and just relentless. It just it goes for two and a half hours. There's not mm-hmm. a moment where you, you have an opportunity to breathe. It just is just a roller coaster. It is fucking fun. I love Michelle that- too. She's like one of my favorites. I was yep. talking to my son. Short round. Short yeah. round oh. from Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I didn't know until the movie was over. Yes. Everybody. I mean, it's not going to be for everybody because it's 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 a bit out there. It's about multiverses and butt plugs. <laughs> Sorry for giving that away. <laughs> but but you, you asked. Absolute gut-wrenchingly funny. I was in agony from laughing so much watching this film and I'd I'd been meaning to watch it for a very long time I rented it on Apple TV and then watched it again the night after because I just loved it that much so there you go there's your answer here's the thing I I can't disagree with you Um, does it stack up with classic movies like I don't know yes it um, does 
Animal House and, yes. and Caddyshack and yep. Airplane and yep. and some of the all-time great <laughs> A Kentucky Fried Movie. I was thinking about these movies t- for today for some reason. The point is, it's difficult to make comedies in the last 10 years. Sure. It's been almost impossible. Can you at least agree? I mean, we love The Boys. That disguises it as a superhero movie. But we, and it's got action stuff, we laugh our heads off at how funny that is. But it is extremely rude and disgusting and all these things that just can't be done in movies because the sensitivity level is just, you know, oh, I can't believe they did that. No, I think you're right. I think, and I think the summary of, of, of probably what we're both saying is, if you want a good comedy, you got to go to TV shows. I don't think comedy makes for good movies, but that movie I just talked about is the exception. People get too offended, and that's why comedy has suffered over the last ten years, especially on the big screen. And, and just you know, movies that a movie like The Hangover, a movie. Fuck, I, please tell me you've seen Delirious by Eddie Murphy. Nope. Okay. One of the greatest stand-up comic shows of all time. Done in 2022, extremely inappropriate for many things he said. Does that mean it's not funny when it came out? Hmm. Anyway, it's just difficult to do these things now. So comedies have really, really suffered over the last little bit. So it's, it's rare when you see a gem like the movie you just described. It's really rare. I guess the point is I chose right not to choose comedy because there was a shelf life to that <laughs> and radio has provided me with you chose not to have a career in comedy you chose I fucking did fucking bullshit right. no i did chose right nah well done whatever. it thank chose you. you thank you for this lovely home and this family <laughs> these pinball machines the ability to travel and oh life is good thank you uh, and you don't worry about the fact that you know you could be selling out stadiums right now yeah, that happens a lot. So that, that That's everybody. No, fuck. I did stand-up comedy because my buddy and I, we dared each other to do it. We went to a show. And we laughed at each other. And we said, we could fucking do this. We're 21 years old. We did it the next week. And we're like, oh, I guess we're kind of good at this. Summary of that is, you did comedy as a dare. Says everything. It's true. <laughs> it is true, though. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to the fucking emails, you asshole. <laughs> no, did we talk about the fact that James Bond, the, the 60th anniversary one, is going to be revealed soon? By the time this podcast is out, you've probably seen Keith Elwin's new game. Okay. <laughs> I say that because, you know, it's the well, it's Sunday the 4th of December here. Um, God knows how long it's going to take me from it to edit this. So this could be January by the time it comes out. <laughs> really? Is it going to take you a while? No, I don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Last show took me about eight hours of editing. Okay, maybe I should edit this. No, anyway, whatever. Anyway, so let's get to emails. It was more of a comment I saw on Facebook after our last show. I thought it was interesting. Somebody with a fake name, Tilt Trek. But by the way, just to let you know, I usually don't acknowledge fake names. It's give me your real name. Tell me who you are. You got a better likelihood of me responding to anything you do. People who hide behind fake things, I'm not big on that. Just letting you know. <laughs> it's just letting you know. I don't fucking, I, I don't, I, you know that, right? Yeah, you, you would never hide behind a fake name. Everybody knows Pinside fucking Petey was me. <laughs> Fuck that asshole. Everyone knew that. Uh, <laughs> did they? <laughs> they do now. Anyway, yeah, they do now. it was a good comment. So the conversation regarding, this is from our last show, which aired, uh, left. <laughs> Conversation regarding updating music in a game because I went to the UK and I got to play Neil McRae's awesome Disco Maiden game, which is spectacular and I love it. And I'd like to put new songs in my Zeppelin or maybe a different one in Rush or two. I like all the Rush songs. But I'm just saying, 
people who do that, oh, you got to worry about getting bricked. Thought it was neat. He'd love to hear more. He had a Beatles, added different albums from Pinside, and it fried the node board. Okay. It didn't make any sense that the software would take out a physical part uh, in a game that couldn't be corrected by just reinstalling the original code. Seemed like a conspiracy of some sort to me. Well, I don't know about that, but um, I do wish we could do... Uh, we talked about the end-user license agreement. I wish once you own it, you can do whatever the fuck you want with the machine. Mod it up, change it, do, do this, that. Well, can I add to that an, mm-hmm. an email that we got from Warwick who said... He said, the section of breaking end user agreements by modding a game got me thinking, Stern's Godzilla is a really popular game, but on Pinside, there's a lot of discussion of various issues with the game and how to fix them fresh out of the box. For example, how do you stop the bridge from breaking the plastic that's over the magnet? How to prevent balls from getting trapped in the mechzilla? How to get the ball to plunge cleanly? Changing coil stops on Stern games because they're well known for using inferior parts. Some people admit changing them on new inbox games. Calling fans to stop flipper fade. I was searching for fans to put on my game and my wife said, why was I doing that? Surely if it's a problem, then the manufacturer should address the problem. She has a point. Why do we accept these issues on new games? Part of it is fear of missing out when it takes up to 12 months to get a game that's been hyped up on social media. Then there was the issue with, on Rush with a scoop that took some time to get fixed as well. It would be good if manufacturers could be held responsible, especially in these times when game prices have gone uh, have shot up. So he's in New Zealand. So here in New Zealand, we only get six-month warranty on games, and it could take that long to get spare parts from the US. So that's just a good dialogue to have about this. Where, where does the responsibility end? And if someone wants to change the music and it fries a node board, what's, what's going on here? A buyer beware, right? I mean, if you're going to fuck around that, you know the risks. You know what's weird with the code updates now being done by Wi-Fi, at least on the Stern games? I like to manually on a little, little thumb drive or something, get the old code and keep it on there just in case something goes wrong. Doesn't help if you fry a board, but sometimes there've been, like, I think if you look at Godzilla, Godzilla came out with back-to-back code updates. Did you notice that this week? No. Yeah. They had 1.02 and then the next day 1.03. There was obviously some bug or something. It would be weird that they would update it that quickly without something going wrong. Uh, they would wait to put whatever, whatever feature would be in. So I, I just thought uh, I play it safe. I mean, adding physical mods, that's different. Changing software, you, you, you run a risk. Yeah. I, and I think I may have made this point many times when I've been talking to coders is that when you are changing code, it's not just about rules and light shows. It's coils. It's solenoids. It's it's things that could actually damage your game. Yeah. So I think the reason why they have some sort of control over this stuff is because they, they actually don't want you to break your game. They don't. And I, I say this about you know manufacturing pinballs. As soon as the game doesn't work, it's not fun anymore. That you, you're selling fun, so you've got to make sure that these games constantly work. Electric magic spinner on Let's Have a <coughs> Still disabled. <coughs> Sorry, Is what? It, you should get that um, that cough oh. looked at, just at the back of your throat. Yeah, pube or something. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't know whether we had any answers to either of these questions, but we read their emails. That's good enough. We read the thanks, emails Warwick. We acknowledged. <laughs> thanks, Tilt Trek. Thanks, Warwick. There really is no answer to this. It's really and look. I'll, I'll give the you know the talking about the scoop from Rush. Right, it was a problem. Does the game still work? Yes, but a great easy fix. That uh, software fixed that. Um, okay, here's a one second ball save. Boom. Are oh, you talking about the actual physical, the mangled of the? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I, I, I got to tell you, I, I was really happy with the Stern 
fix on that. They realized there was a problem almost immediately, said, we're working on it, don't worry, and then everyone was given the, the kit. Easy as shit. Even I could install the kit, and that's amazing. I don't know. I, I Hey, when you buy something that expensive, like a pinball machine, you want support, and I, I, I got to love the support I've received on every machine I've ever owned. I hear that from others too, so yay. And that's even well after the fact too, you know? Yeah, well, look, I've, I've had problems with my stones here, and I've always gone through AMD in Australia, mm-hmm. and their support has been exceptional, exceptional, like couriering things the next day to me and being very sort of empathetic and concerned and wanting to do things right. So, you know, that's good. You know, this ties into uh, you being concerned and the fact that you're drinking. <laughs> Yours truly thought I should probably go see the doctor about something. Mm-hmm. I was having a little bit of chest pains, a little worried about some heart condition. I thought this would have been the erectile dysfunction you've been having, but no, obviously no. 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 Okay. Now something else. Cool. Wow. Fucking Mr. Sensitive. Is there a reach around <laughs> for Mr. Sensitivity? Well, I'm telling you, I had perhaps some heart issues I was concerned about. So I went to the doctor. Everything is fine. I just wanted to pause a little bit to make you maybe care. You certainly <laughs> Uh, everything's fine weight is part of the problem maybe a little acid reflux whatever the case is but he's asking me you know do you smoke i'm like no and and do you drink i'm like actually i don't i'm not a big drinker i mean i no you're not that's true i i when i go away you know the gloves are off i i don't have to work i don't have to drive i don't have to be responsible for kids let's have some fun for sure and people see me at these things and i said well you know i go to these events on weekends and when i'm away and yeah i'll, I'll let the hair down and i'll have a bunch of fireball the doctor looked at me and was like are you an 18 year old girl I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like i'm like what and he goes he goes my daughter drinks that fireball I'm like, yeah i'm like it's great i i'm he's like he just abused the shit out of me so now my heart was broken you fucking asshole doctor you're killing my fireball <laughs> You do you. If you find enjoyment in it, I do. do it. That's what I say. I have a sweet tooth, right? That's, I, I like one beer and one beer only on a hot, hot day. That's it. It's too filling and bitter. I can't do uh, IPAs or dark beers or anything like that. But I like sweet drinks, right? Like, fuck, give me a Tom Collins. Give me a Long Island iced tea. Give me Fireball. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Like me. Yep. <laughs> do it. Do it. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. That's why I like your gins. They're good, too. Yeah, they are good. I don't like them as much as you, but fuck. No, well, fine. But I, I like Fireball. Fireball's fine. Fireball is the drink that when you take a quick shot, it reminds you where every hair on your body is. That's what I like about Fireball. Yeah, correct. Correct. It's an experience, Fireball. Sure. Okay. People are going to want to reach out to us. and uh, Are they, though? By the way, thank you for all the fucking Twippy votes. I, we really appreciate that. <laughs> Oh, you know what we forgot to do? We forgot to fucking put vote for us on uh, online like everyone else. Oh, do you know what? I, I swear yeah. to you, you know there's that photo of you where you're lying on the couch and I think you've got like um, tiger print or something on you? It was after Tiger King came out, yeah. Yeah, Joe, Joe I was I was going to put that on our on our Facebook <laughs> saying, for your consideration, <laughs> just a picture a, of you. Is there a Twippy for douche? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, there is. Anyway. All right. Cool. Uh, people are going to want to reach us some way, somehow. Facebook, I know we're there. Yeah. Finalroundpinball at gmail.com. Finalroundpin is Twitter, which we don't use and nobody does anymore. Thanks, Elon. Yeah. And Finalroundpinball podcast on Instagram. 
That's a good. That's a good one. Yeah, do that. You get some nice microphone shots on there. But do read. Do reach out to us. We like actually having conversations offline as well. So do that. Just not with each other, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. uh, Happy Valentine's Day. St. Patrick's Day. I'll talk to you soon, Marty. Yes, I will do the same. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.